You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space, CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host. I know I sound like a looping TikTok video, but let's go with another blunt business here on CannabisRadio.com. Once again, bringing you some really great guests. And every guest we bring along, it just we get the chance to go and go into some particular subjects that when we have the expertise here, of course we want to know about the people. But what can we learn more about what's going on within the current events and what's going on with cannabis and the industry? My next guest contributes in the same way. He runs the first licensed commercial lender in the United States focused on the legal cannabis industry, offering short-term lending options to fuel business growth. Very important that we need people like this. The CEO and founder, co-founder, excuse me, of Bespoke Financial, George Mantrill. George, thanks for making the time to join us. Glad to be here. Thank you. And my pleasure. Let's go ahead and quickly go ahead and give a big quick background on Bespoke Financial and why Bespoke is uh, pretty significant. If you have not heard about them, you're gonna know about them now. They're a VC-backed financial solutions provider that offers custom-tailored funding within the niche business environments of the cannabis industry. They provide immediate access to liquidity for the enhanced cash flow that is so important for growth. Notably, October 2019, the venture firm, venture capital firm co-founded by Snoop Dogg, Casa Verde, uh, which I believe we have Karen here. I forget which show it was, but we've had Casa Verde on the on the network, not on this show, I believe. But they led Bespoke Financial's $7 million funding round. So with that said, George, talk to me about the level of capital and investment that is available out there that a firm like yours is able to bring in. Yeah, I mean, it really depends on the time frame that you're talking about. You know, our company was founded in June 2018, and I'd say at that time, sources of capital were very, very limited for the entire cannabis industry, whether you were plant touching or just related um, as an ancillary service provider. Fast forwarding to where we are today, following you know the very pro-cannabis results in the US election and sort of sentiment moving towards legalization and decriminalization, I'd say 
there are definitely bigger pockets of capital that are available. Obviously, listing in Canada has been an option for a number of years now. There's been a lot of activity in the SPAC space. But you know, the real, I think, change will come with that level of decriminalization or legalization, because right now there are you know, I'd say a lot of institutional investors and institutional capital that understands the story, that likes the idea of, of what cannabis offers from an investment standpoint, but they're just precluded from participating. They can't participate for a variety of reasons, whether it be morality clauses or the regula regulations, um, ambiguity between federal and state level. And so there are a decent amount of hurdles still remaining. Um, that are keeping lots of capital on the sidelines from this space. But there are opportunities, I'd say, across the board for investors to get involved, especially private investors at this point. The option of doing short-term lending, obviously a lot of people are, are looking to try to get some uh, several rounds of capital within a company to really build up. But is there a focus at all in terms of which companies come on board that they need they need a bit of a would it be more of a loaning kind of uh, feeling to this or is it still more funding just to get across this next hurdle which of, of a company has already received some funding and they need something more to keep going across yeah i'd say it's more you know our our target audience um with our financing has always been established businesses you know operators that understand the fundamentals of their business, the margins and the economics, and are really poised to accelerate. But the only limitation that they have is access to capital. So if you need to purchase raw materials, if you need to purchase packaging goods, if you have, you know, general recurring expenses like tax obligations, which are very high for the cannabis industry, you do need access to capital. And so, you know, we're a short-term working capital um, lender. We provide the capital that allows these businesses to really run and produce goods and fulfill orders and really capitalize on growth opportunities, expand into new markets, grow sales across the board. So it's not really a bridge loan situation. Um, the idea is really to be a partner with our borrowers and really have them scale up over time so that, you know, if we've done our job right and identify the right borrower, um, typically, the conversation is how do we increase our financing limit after one or two quarters because sales have grown, operations have expanded, and that working capital need is just that much more pronounced. So fintech, popular subject. Uh, Bespoke is considered a fintech company. You're offering cannabis cultivators, distributors, brands, and more access to short-term loans via invoice and inventory financing. Invoice loans offer companies upfront capital while they wait for their invoices to be paid, while inventory financing is designed to ensure dispensaries are able to keep their shelves stocked. So talk to me, George, about the threshold of financial assistance you can offer to the industry and what kind of red tape do you have to deal with? For us, you know, we're, we're, I'll just start with the second question first. You know, we are a licensed lender. Um, we've set up our structure to be fairly conservative across the board, such that, you know, we're live in 11 states that have recreational cannabis markets in the U.S. right now. And that represents about 80% of the total U.S. cannabis market. Um, in terms of size and scale, I think one of the benefits of us having a not just one financing solution, but really four across the board is that regardless of where you sit on the supply chain, at least two or three of our financing products will address one of the working capital limitations that you have on hand. So we do have something that services every single leg of the supply chain, you know, as you mentioned, starting with cultivation to manufacturing, distribution, unlicensed brands, 
retailers, um, dispensaries, uh, you know, ancillary service providers. We really do cover the gamut when it comes to where you sit on the supply chain. And we have a broad array of borrowers that are working with us right now. You know, I'd say on the smaller side, you know, our smallest customers are typically averaging, you know, anywhere from five to $6 million in annual revenue. On the larger side, we're working with borrowers that, you know, are clocking in revenue north of 75 million. And so, you know, the lines and the level of financing obviously reflects their different stages of growth and, and different stages of scale. Um, but right now, you know, we're servicing customers with credit limits north of $5 million and, and you know, as low as half a million dollars. So I can really appreciate where you're coming from, what you're doing and what you're providing, because, you know, just the whirlwind of venture capital and the issues that you have to go through to just try to get the kind of funding because the the issues that have been out there where people have been a little bit frivolous and have been not so responsible. The point is that you have to be responsible financially and you know it's really a matter of being able to see which companies you decide to go and work with that you offer your services to that's very important uh, so i want to go ahead and talk next with you george about stocks okay i haven't had anybody okay. else to talk about stocks but you're in the financial sector you can help me uh learn about some of the things when it comes to stocks because you know right now as we go on the break reddit the investors, the whole thing with Robin Hood, that whole mess from January has kind of rolled into cannabis stocks. I want to talk about that, but not so much because of what happened there. It's just that it caught the, it got the spotlight on the cannabis stocks. So I want to talk about that coming up after a short break. I'm here with the CEO and co-founder of Bespoke Financials, George Mantrell, here on Blunt Business. We'll be right back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. We're back with George Mantrell, CEO and co-founder of Bespoke Financial. And I want to take from a story that is in TD Ameritrade, which is uh, personally is the broker that I use to uh, do my some of my uh, investing. Um, also, the website I want to go and make sure everybody knows about to go ahead and check out what we're doing the show, bespokefinancial.com, B-E-S-P-O-K-E financial.com. Make sure to check that out while we continue along. So here's where the story came from. Cannabis stocks are well up from where they were in March of 2020 when investors dumped riskier assets and dashed for cash at the height of worries over the pandemic. At, oh, actually, this was the last year, excuse me, March 2020. At that time, the new Cannabis Ventures Global Stock Market Index dipped below 20. It's now around 75. Shares have recovered a decent portion of losses they sustained in 2019 when a good amount of froth got taken out of the market. So I wanted to get your take about the outlook for the cannabis investment sector. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously it's been a fairly volatile ride across the board when you're looking at equities or really any risk assets over the past year. I'd say the sell-off 
last March was really, you know, throwing the baby out with the bathwater and a continuation of, of trends that you started seeing in 2019, where, you know, a lot of companies RTO'd listed in Canada and investors were across the board in 2019, very disappointed with the performance of those companies, just because I think, you know, investors do have a tendency to get ahead of themselves and price in either significant change or significant growth a lot faster than it might materialize. And what you have with cannabis is, you know, a very consumer product focused industry that's building from the ground up. So it makes sense that it would take a little bit longer for this industry to get scale and, you know, really achieve levels that investors wanted to see. So I'd say in March, you know, obviously it's almost exactly, I think a year ago at this point, everything was sort of sold out and dumped. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you started seeing it come back. I'd say, you know, the real momentum in cannabis, you know, as much as Reddit's been in the news recently, came right after the the U.S. elections when you started seeing the Democrats taking control of, you know, remaining in control of the House, you know, taking the presidency. And then there was that runoff for the Senate. Close the gap on the Senate, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, just through that entire trend, you started seeing investors start repricing that the entire cannabis industry in the U.S. in a much more favorable light. Now, what does this mean for for your average investor? Um, You know, I think across the board, it's getting to be, you know, a much more volatile time. Obviously, stocks across the board have rebounded, but I think cannabis offers its own unique attractiveness. Now, you know, this isn't applicable for everyone. Obviously, investors have different risk tolerances and different strategies. But really, if you're looking as an investor, value and growth at the end of the day, in my book, really do count for a lot. And if you look at an industry where sales are growing, you know, at record rates across the board, um, and what's really compelling is that the growth isn't just coming from new states, it's coming from established older markets. Like Colorado had the highest sales they've ever had, and that's a market that's been around for years. California, similarly, one of the, you know, the biggest legal market in the US right now, but setting new record sales on a continual basis through 2020. All of that from an investor standpoint are key terms that you wanna see because you know, you have an industry that's coming up from, you know, stage one, you have a very favorable consumer base that, you know, is responding positively. You have governmental support as seen last year when cannabis got the essential business designation and it checks a lot of boxes. Now, there will be growing pains, there will be cyclicality, Um, you know, you always have risk when it comes to investing. But in terms of diversification, you know, it's very hard to ignore an industry where you can get in at the early stages and really, you know, sort of watch this industry mature. And, and, you know, it should be, it should be a very promising, you know, sort of ride for the industry and in turn investors. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's lots of unknowns across the board um, in the future, you know, how the COVID situation ends, how reopening affects sort of broader markets. But I think some of the benefits we got from from the COVID experience um, for the cannabis industry are going to have lasting impact. You had more consumers exploring with cannabis. You had people in a frame of mind to sort of be a little bit more open-minded and see if this might be something that they enjoy or is beneficial for them, um, either from a recreational or from a medicinal standpoint. And so, you know, I think as an investor, it checks all the boxes that should attract attention and adds a really great diversity play, you know, relative to all the other things that are happening in the market, all the other investment opportunities that that are popping up every single day. And let's talk about that. So currently, as we record here in March, mid-March, uh, the stocks are moving up and they're getting a bit of an uptrend because New York is starting to talk legalization again. Governor Andrew mm-hmm. Cuomo is now talking about being very close. Now, 
okay, do we want to go ahead and take the <laughs> the elf in the closet? Why is he doing this? Because number one, the state's in debt. The pandemic mm-hmm. put him in a hole. And second, some people are saying, like MarcusInsider.com is talking, or Insider.com is talking about, you know, this is the strike from the sexual uh, sexual harassment allegations. However, that's going to play out. So again, there's that. And because of that kind of talk, I mean, obviously the market responds well. So ETS, uh, Tilray, Afria have been definitely been focused right now. They were up, you know, double digits in their spots. And ETS in general were going up, up to about 5% up. So every time we're getting that, people are getting a chance to go and jump on the wave. If they're day trading, they're jumping in a little bit, getting a nice chunk, pulling back. And the stock, the cannabis is being focused much more because I think, because just the constant, just the wavering of legalization just gets people's interest and say, okay, so the institutional investors, are they truly jumped in right now pretty heavily with volume into these stocks? And does it become to be a, a good play to kind of just stay with it? Or is it just way too volatile, in your opinion, to really go ahead and play it in a long-term investment? Yeah, I mean, just starting with the institutional investors, um, for the most part, no, there there isn't a, uh, a lot of uh, institutional investor activity. And again, it's mainly due to either regulation or their own uh, investing mandates and and you know general clauses that they have to operate by. Um, and so that wave definitely has not hit the market just yet. Um, I'm not a day trader. I've I've been in the financial industry since uh-huh. you know 2006. Um, you know, I've kind of seen. The financial crisis. We've seen sort of the reemergence after that. Um, you know, I've been following the stock markets as probably the eighth grade, and so you know, you do have these cycles, and you do have moments of investor frothiness and and you know, uh, exuberance across the board. So I can't really comment on on you know whether day trading like you know now's a good time to buy relative to like a week from now. But I will say thematically, you do have an industry that has all the characteristics of being here for the long term. Um, again, you have new markets opening up possibilities, you have existing markets setting all-time records, and you have governmental support across the board. I mean, you talked about you know, New York. A- another option why this is gaining more traction, I think, is really the fact that New Jersey just you know, passed its legalization laws. And so you have pressure from neighboring states that are going to have a, a boom in economic activity from this industry, and that becomes very hard for, for you know, adjacent states to ignore. The same thing happens on a national level. You have Mexico talking about legalizing recreational cannabis. That would put the U.S. you know, sandwiched between Canada on the north and Mexico on the south. Um, and that by itself is going to drive the conversation, I think, on a federal level. And so, you know, I think looking forward, the trend has been very favorable for cannabis. It hasn't been an easy road by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, again, for for the average investor that's, you know, investing for the long term, looking for value, looking for growth opportunities, I think, you know, again, cannabis definitely has to jump out as as an option. And right now, it's very rare you have you have a situation where the private investor has, you know, more flexibility or more access to investment opportunities over the institutional investors. And, you know, hopefully it's something that works out and, and you know, ends up paying, you know, massive dividends and returns for, for investors that move first. And what I mean by that question is the fact that I'm for the industry to have the benefit of shareholders coming in if you're if the company's publicly traded or just the kind of injection of cash that's coming in in order to. really to entice the institutional investors to go and jump on board and say, okay, Oracle Omaha, Warren Buffett's jumping in on cannabis. If that kind of happens, everybody's going to be like, okay, everybody's jumping in. They will all jump into the pool. That's the first part. 
Plus, in the second right. part is when the markets start responding as they do, I think that's when D.C. would actually have to start kind of conceding to the fact where governors like Cuomo and Washington, D.C. in general, they're going to have to finally jump in. But in the meantime, you know, investment from the investors and then the investment has to go and go over to the politicians, which they don't do anything with the money. They just take it. That's it. And, you know, now you have this new, what is it, cannabis uh, regula- education regulation, I forget. We're trying to get the, uh, the fr- chairman of the new organization that Constellation Brands and other uh, cannabis companies are now all together. Basically, it's a big lobbying firm to just throw some big wads of cash at Washington, D.C. to try to get legalization done. So, like, the, the, the traction in the markets is a good tell. And obviously, how the news is being reacted to, and then some of the things being done behind the scenes to get Washington D.C. to go ahead and create the legalization, which will make the boon of a market. Talk about bull market for cannabis. That's what's just being done. It's it's the one caveat that's holding back the cannabis market to be the bull market, because then what happens is that, you know, I can imagine, you know, what, what you're doing, you know. There'll still be obviously response, but then what'll happen is more companies will want to come to Bespoke because they're looking for that extra and the the extra bit of uh, of influx of capital to make it so their companies can get to a, at a better point, as opposed to starting from the, from nothing. Yeah, that's that's actually a really good point because that's something that our investor or our borrowers have have definitely benefited from. Um, you know, when we started financing, you know, it was really towards the it coincided very well with sort of the retreat of equity investors back in 2019. So, yeah. you know, at the time, I'd say we were one of the few sources of capital that would not be highly diluted that had capital that was ready to deploy, that understood their businesses and could move in a fair, fairly quick fashion. COVID and the whole experience with, you know, the market volatility last year just further exacerbated that. And, you know, that's been the experience that that a lot of our clients have had is that they were able to delay a very dilutive equity round. They were able to grow their sales. And then ultimately, when they go to retap the markets, they're in a much better position from, an, you know, a holistic standpoint and equity investors would would respond to that, you know, appropriately with the valuation. Um, that, that's not to say that, you know, it's always a choice between equity capital or debt capital, if you look at any other has a lot of capital expenditures and working capital requirements, they use a mix of both. You know, there's always equity investors that, you know, that's capital that should be usually reserved for longer term projects, expanding facilities, um, capital expenditures. And then you have debt financing, which although, you know, limited from a cost of financing standpoint, allows your business to operate and allows you to have capital to deploy to lower ROI initiatives, um, usually just day-to-day operations. So I don't think it's necessarily one or the other. Um, I expect in the future that, you know, the industry is going to need the presence of both, quite honestly, to, to really take advantage of the opportunity in front of it. And that's all very exciting because both, you know, are positive developments for the industry and us as a lender looking at credit risk and, you know, how well capitalized these companies are and what are the sources of funding are available, the more sources that are available to the industry, the better the aggregate picture and better the credit risk profile the space, you know, ultimately shakes out to be. So they're both very positive developments. And and I think, you know, each will support the other going forward. There we go. I think we kind of tapped into something there, George. <laughs> Just saying, if you need to throw that into anybody that's looking to go and work with you, that's a good uh, that's a good approach right there. Just saying. That's a, a free little bit of advice. <laughs> so I'm here with George Mantrell, CEO and co-founder of Bespoke Financial. Again, website is B-E-S-P-O-K-E Financial.com. 
We're going to talk more. Oh, you know what? God, I had other questions. We went on that one question and we just ran with it. <laughs> so I have two more questions to ask you. Again, I want to ask about the issues with the hedge funds and the kind of the short squeeze that was going on from earlier this year. We'll be back after a short question, uh, after a short uh, break. Hey, just uh, pausing on that. Just curious, sort of like on, on the Reddit stuff, are you, were you talking about like the, the, basically the Reddit crowd, the Wall Street bets guys coming into the, the cannabis space, or was it about like GMA? <laughs> Well, it was it was it was all of that. So Wall Street bets, GameStop, AMC, BlackBerry, and others. And I was supposed to bring up about the volatility. Just in the, uh, you know, for those that if you're talking to anybody you're consulting with, mm. what they should be doing because if they decide to go ahead and like if anybody's just being financially sound just to go into the stock market and they are trying to go in while it's volatile because they're looking to try to get a break and you know take some of their money that's in their business and trying to build off of it. That's what I want to ask about. Was just any thoughts that you have because the market now is going to be affected by the rebel investors versus the hedge funds. Mm. Like that's what happened to me. I was going to bring that up and then just ask what your thoughts were. That's all. okay. All right. A generalization. That's fine. Okay. Just curious. All right. Stand by. We'll come on back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more blunt business. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. We're back with final questions with George Mantrell, CEO and co-founder of Bespoke Financial here on Blunt Business. All right, so back to the TD Ameritrade story. After that long after that long back and forth, we had a wonderful conversation, just went <laughs> going about uh, the markets themselves, and it's been a great conversation. I love it. Although full legalization might not happen in the United States this year. I mean, it's going to take a while. Come on. Look at how long it took for the stimulus bill to get signed, right? It seems that political momentum is generally a tailwind for cannabis companies in the world's largest market. With that backdrop, some investors may be thinking about allocating a portion of their money into stocks. That's why I asked about this earlier. Now, you spoke about how the cannabis industry is a good way for investors to diversify their portfolios and invest in growth places. The industry gets more consumers, creates new ways to deliver product to consumers, and develops new pharmaceutical uses. Go ahead and expand on that point for me. Yeah, I mean, in terms of looking at growth for the industry, I think, you know, one thing to keep in mind is the fact that this industry, you know, has been sort of attacked from all sides. It's been vilified there, during the prohibition phase. It depended on a core demographic that really supported the industry and kept it alive over time. And we really wouldn't be here today without that sort of staunch support. Now, forward looking growth for this industry I'd expect is primarily going to come from new entrants and new consumers coming into the space. 
recreationally, consumers that sort of look past the propaganda that that you know has been around for decades now at this point, giving cannabis a try and you know sort of incorporating it into into their general lifestyle. That's one avenue. A second, and I think ultimately more powerful avenue, is going to come from the pharmaceutical side. You know, I've had a lot of experience with you know friends, family members who are managing you know. The ramifications of chemotherapy, you know, dealing with chronic pain, um, you know, looking for a better alternative to, you know, opioids for pain management and improving quality of life. And I think, you know, our understanding of the plant itself when it comes to cannabis and, you know, this the different cannabinoids and what their properties are and how they can benefit people is very limited. There hasn't been a ton of research that's been allowed. That's changing. That's picking up now more on the international, um, you know, stage more so than in the U.S. But ultimately, I think we're going to get uh, much more, you know, improvements in terms of how these compounds and how this plant can really improve the quality of life across the board for a lot of people and a much better alternative to what we have today. And all of that rep represents tremendous avenues for growth in the future, even if you don't necessarily believe in cannabis as, as a recreational product. And so, you know, forward looking, a lot of this growth and a lot of this, um, you know, sort of attractiveness of the industry comes from the fact that it's going to attract more consumers and it's going to attract more investment and it's going to attract, you know, a lot more attention on a much broader scale. And I don't know that investors are really, you know, valuing that appropriately, but the timeline on that obviously is, is a, a lot longer and, and harder to nail down yeah. than, you know, political conversations, which, you know, well, I assume are, are in the next one to two years. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, and by the way, uh, while we've been talking a little bit financial, I think it'd just be safe for me to go ahead and this in. You should know this, but okay. Future stocks and, and options trading involves subst substantial risk of loss and is not suitable for an investor. Valuation of future stocks and options may fluctuate, and as a result, clients may lose more than original statement. All trading strategies are used at your own risk. So I'm disclaiming what we've been talking about. If you even thought we're giving advice, no. Do not. I'm just we're we're I am as novice as anybody else. So just think about that. But this leads me to the next subject. Now, I only want to bring this up because of what happened as a result. So it was back in February where we had stocks getting some attention from the Wall Street Bets Reddit army that contributed to the epic short squeezes of GameStop, AMC, BlackBerry and others in February. I unfortunately had BlackBerry stock, which hit a good, nice high. I forgot to get out of it beforehand, and mm -hmm. now I'm I'm only slightly ahead of even right now when I should have gotten out of there much sooner. I, it's just so stupid. I don't know why I let myself do that. So I want to ask you, cannabis stocks got some attention now because those same investors that want to go up and you know take it to the hedge, hedge funds and, the, and demand, basically, they're now putting cannabis stocks in that same thing. So it could be a, a bit of a pump and dump feel to it because they're adding to it. And obviously the hedge funds and institutional types are going to want to go ahead and, you know, squeeze those people out of their out of their holdings and make them sell. So because that's a new volatility we now have. It's a bit of a manipulation, if you will. With that said, you know, if you have people that are investing right now these days or looking to try to go ahead Again, diversifying portfolios in order to keep bringing in capital. Is there anything you think about that uh, from the outside looking in about this onslaught? Any thoughts about how cannabis is being brought into the mix of this? And you know, unfortunately, is it just a just bad, wrong place, wrong time? It's not because cannabis for any other reason. It's just the fact that you know 
somebody wanted to go ahead and use cannabis as a as a tool to go ahead and manipulate and go after the the big marketers. Yeah, I mean, this is a this is an interesting question for me. So I've actually, you know, been a a casual observer of of Reddit for you know over a decade now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I've I've had a career in finance before leaving to to work bespoke. So I feel like I've seen sort of both sides of this. Um, look, when it when it comes to you know that whole episode with with Wall Street bets and everything, you know, my take on it is it's obviously a very risky proposition, right? And, you know, whether it's a political statement, whether it's, you know, an actual investment idea, I mean, you could make an argument both ways. What I will say is, you know, the attention started because, you know, a bunch of Reddit users identified that, you know, the professional finance community decided to short some of these stocks at, you know, over 100% of what their float was. Now, from a fundamental basis, like if you have, this ultimate pent up demand of buyers and a very limited supply, you naturally assume that the price goes higher. And obviously, you know, the, the Reddit army ended up pushing that price higher. And, you know, from a technical standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think some of the uh, vitriol from the financial industry, a lot of it just might be, you know, uh, frustration that they didn't think of this sooner. Um, and I think it was that same sort of mindset that came into the cannabis space is, you know, the industry underperformed in 2019, prices collapsed. There were a lot of short bets, um, people basically betting against the industry. And as far as I understand it, you know, it was sort of the same fundamental analysis where this has nothing to do with the business, this has nothing to do with the industry. This is purely a lot of people sold it and they're going to have to buy it back in the future and there's a limited supply. So let's get ahead of it. Now, it obviously spiraled out, attracted a lot more attention. You have people on both sides. I think you're just going to see that across the board. And at the end of the day, I think, you know, investing at any stage is, is speculation to me. It's, it's, you know, assuming risk. You're, you're basing your investment on assumptions that will either pan out or they won't. Um, so I don't necessarily think, you know, having market technicals to point to versus fundamentals versus, you know, a share shortage. I don't think any of those is any better or worse than the other as a reason for you doing anything on investment stain standpoint. Um, but, you know, it's going to be volatile. It's going to be a, a tricky in terms of timing. And, and that's up for the individual investor to decide if it makes sense for them. Right. Absent that, the prospects for the industry, I think, you know, not, nothing in, in, in that sphere affects the fact that the fundamentals of this industry are very strong. Um, you know, there's a lot of support. There's a lot of tailwinds. And so, you know, I think as an investor, I, again, I said, I'm not a day trader. I tend to look at m- much more of a longer timeline. So I, I tend to focus more so on the fundamentals. But, you know, there's a lot of people who've made a ton of money and there's a lot of people who've lost a lot of money. And, and you know, that's sort of been the history of the stock market since day one. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I wanted to ask you about on the financial side, because, George, I mean, when looking back at just your, your on yourself, you went ahead and studied at New York NYU Stern of uh, School of Business. You got a little time at Goldman Sachs. You are been in that market, and now what I want to ask is the fact that you know you're based in Santa Monica. You're not too far from Silicon Valley, and, and honestly, and obviously, there are a lot of investors over there in your neck of the woods. Uh, on the Green Peak, an episode with Steve D'Angelo, which uh, Richard's Weekly hosted on the program. You know, he talked about in that interview how. He knows that there are a number of investors there in Silicon Valley and, and around the neighborhood that are looking and they're keeping an eye on cannabis because they are ready to invest in a venture capital sense or into the investments themselves in the market. They are keeping an eye out. Can you say the same thing? Do you know, have you been hearing the same kind of rumblings in your neck of the woods about people just waiting for the right moment to invest? 
Yeah, no, definitely. Um, we kind of get inbound inquiry across the board, whether it's, you know, from the VC space, whether it's from family offices, you know, internationally, you have, you know, a lot of capital that's coming out of Asia that's looking for some exposure to this industry because they, they see the, the fundamentals and the strength of, of the, the industry overall. And so we kind of deal with it from all sides. So it's, I wouldn't say it's ring fence to any one arena or not. And ultimately, you know, again, private capital, family offices, they tend to be in a position to move. They just have more freedom um, to invest in whatever idea they like. VCs and institutional capital, it really depends on their mandates and, and you know whether they can sort of get comfortable moving into cannabis in our current state. And again, our current state is that this product is still legal on a federal level, right? That's a huge red flag. And it's something that all investors would have to take note of. I think the risk of the ramifications of that are, are you know, diminishing day over day, but you can't ignore the, the status quo because, you know, as much as cannabis publicly listed stocks may have priced in decriminalization, it hasn't happened yet. And it may not happen for, you know, one to two years, if that, possibly longer. And these, these are serious considerations and institutional capital just, you know, doesn't have the, the freedom to move as freely as it may like in certain instances. So it makes sense that they're keeping an eye out. But, you know, like I said, that that federal regulation change, any any sort of decriminalization or legalization, that's going to basically open up the floodgates and, and you'll have you'll see the pent up demand sort of rushing into the space because you now have investors who treat cannabis on par with any other industry that they could invest in. And, you know, from a growth standpoint, fundamental standpoint, I think our metrics are just going to look that much more better when compared to very mature industries um, that are dealing probably more with margin compression or, you know, s simply just living in a, in a very mature life cycle as opposed to us starting at an early stage. So before we're going to wrap things up, I want to go ahead and get, give a moment to go ahead and let people know more about what you're doing at Beastbook Financial. Take a minute to go ahead and talk. Uh, obviously, we want to go ahead and people to go over to your website, uh, bespokefinancial.com, and just take us through some of the services you offer and let people know what, they, what you're able to go and offer to do for them. I'd like to go and let, let the audience know more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, like we said throughout this entire in, uh, interview, you know, Bespoke is a licensed lender that was built from day one focused on the cannabis industry. And our team is comprised of, you know, seasoned veterans coming out of the finance world, the fintech world, and most importantly, the cannabis world. So we understand the challenges that a cannabis operator faces. We understand what what levers can be pulled and, and how capital can be used to really address problems that you have in terms of capital limitations, or conversely, to be used as a tool to grow your sales, to improve your unit economics, to build your footprint. And so, you know, we have a variety of products that we offer to the industry that are probably, you know, too long and too nuanced to get in right now. But I invite everyone to, you know, come onto our site um, or alternatively reach out to us. We'd be happy to chat with you and, you know, explain exactly how our financing works, understand what your specific problems and, and needs are, and then partner together so that, you know, we work with the best in class operators in the space and you have a trusted financial provider that offers capital so that you can focus on your day job which is either building your brand or optimizing your operations or streamlining logistics you know capital doesn't solve all those problems but it definitely helps you know alleviate some of the concerns and limitations that you have so you know we like to look at each operator on a case-by-case -case basis really work with them structure a deal that makes sense and so you know, from from the cannabis community, I'd invite you to at least have the conversation because if nothing else, it's another data point for for you to consider and hopefully very beneficial for you. Conversely, you know, 
I think investors in general are looking at, at, at the space overall. And, you know, there's tons of ancillary service providers that are focused on the space. And, you know, like I said, I, I get sort of inbound inquiries from a variety of different investors on a daily basis. And, you know, I would, I would say the same, you know, when it comes to an insight into the industry, we do get a deep dive into these operators and the flow of, of the product across the entire chain. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of insightful ideas that can come from these conversations. And so, you know, I'd invite everyone to, to look us up and reach out. Excellent. Let's definitely do that. Okay. Folks, bespokefinancial.com is where you want to go and learn more. And with that said, George, thank you for making time to join us. Really appreciate you taking time to go and answer a lot of uh, very pertinent questions when it comes to financing, when it comes to investment. Really appreciate you being on. No, thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thank you, for all listeners, for again listening through another edition of Blunt Business. Again, they don't use the word subscribe anymore. There's actually new research to Apple Podcasts. They don't want to use the word subscribe to podcasts because it sounds like you're paying for it. So we're just going to say look for the show through Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, and everywhere you find your podcast. Please rate and review, and we'll talk to you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.